0: You do not deal with stakeholders. You deal with persons. You do not hire a candidate. You hire a person. You do not report to a manager. You report to a person. You do not delegate to a junior. You delegate to a person. I mean, you're not interviewed by a company, Ufresh. You're interviewed by a person. Two computers never sign an agreement. It's always two persons. You do not collaborate with executives. You collaborate with persons. And chair doesn't command respect. It is always a person.
1: Welcome to NextIn. I'm your host for the brand new show that's called NextIn. My name is Hufresh and I'm a data center professional in addition to a software engineer. My show is about next insights, next inputs, and the next innovations. In here, I'm currently delving into the working ways of some of the most successful personalities across the world. Hey everyone, this is Hufresh. And I'd really like to thank each one of you for tuning in with me consistently for my fourth podcast in a row and for making next one of the hits on the Apple podcast. I'm so happy to present my latest recording to you because that takes me back to my college days where I fortunately got to meet a few people with thought leaderships. And guess what? One of them today fronts up to all of you with amazing insights. My guest today is Dr. Sandeep Atri, who I actually got connected with during my college days where I happened to attend a session, which was hosted by the National Entrepreneurship Network. I've known him for the best part of half a decade. And trust me, since then, he hasn't left any chance to impress me with his writings. So Dr. Atri is a founder of Sociology a venture that specializes in the development of emotional and social intelligence. I repeat, in the development of emotional and social intelligence, because uh, that's pretty much our topic for the discussion today. And intelligence does it through the concepts of neuroscience and psychology. What it does is it specifically helps young students and professionals to develop better social quotient and understanding of people and helps them imbibe necessary management skills like leadership, empathy, cooperation, etc. to succeed better. Dr. Atre, in his career of close to two decades, has been traveling across India and abroad and have been helping companies like Cummins, Rainbaxi, Iker, Maruti, Force, Idea and Airtel alert them through his online course and by conducting executive and management development programs. And thus, obviously, he happens to be a highly recognized face that's known to have trained thousands of beginners and professionals from more than 50 corporate companies. He's also top-tier management and motivational speaker, having featured at platforms like... Rotary International, IIM, IIT, National Entrepreneurship Network, to name a few of a lot of them. Well, apart from this, he has authored two books. First one, Understanding Emotions Logically, and the second one, Observing Nonverbal Behavior. He's also been a noted blogger for the last many years and have earned quite an amazing repute for his value-additive innovation, and holistic methodology in the set to me so on this note let's hear him out hello dr Adre. welcome to next 10. it's very interesting to have you on the show tonight and discuss the importance of emotional and social intelligence in the corporate world
0: hello oh uh, wonderful being here thank you for having me a warm hello to all the listeners and followers of next i am dr sandeep Atre an emotional and social intelligence expert, author of two books on it, and founder of Social Legends, a specialized online course venture for development of emotional and social intelligence, or say, ESI. You know, it feels wonderful, immensely wonderful to connect with you all, the next gen professionals, who will make things happen, who will go places, and who will shape the new world of work. It's a pleasure as well as privilege to connect with you all through NextGen.
1: Dr. Adri, I'm personally very impressed with your work, and I've even gone through all of your videos, knowledge sessions, and in fact, I've been reading your blog since a very long time. I must say, your take on the different corporate and personal situations are quite impressive. I mean, thanks a lot for giving a new perspective to the current generation, and impacting the process of decision-making by developing clarity in the thoughts. So I would love to know your journey throughout and make it worthwhile and more productive for everyone listening to us. So I'll start by quoting a few case studies that I've been going through before this podcast and probably would like you to discuss a few with us to let our listeners get to the core of our discussion for the day. Out of all the case studies across the world, it's been identified that for all the professionals, 85% of their results is related to emotional and social intelligence, while only 15% origins from, from the IQ. How would you like to explain that ESI is not just another buzz du in the corporate world, and how it is important to make the street smarts in addition to the cognitive smarts? Hufresh,
0: you asked a very important question. However, allow me to disagree with the proposition of emotional and social intelligence making anyone street smart. Uh, I have nothing against the term street smart, but I do not like the connotation attached to it, as I believe what emotional and social intelligence does to you is far more profound than making you just street smart. Uh, To explain what I'm saying, let me address the first part of your question and explain what is emotional and social intelligence. Uh, think about it and you'll realize that whether in our professional or personal life most of the challenges we come across who fresh are essentially intrapersonal and interpersonal ones after all in the world of relationships and associations there are no ready-made solutions isn't it so it is because the humans are the only systems which are complex dynamic as well as unique not only address these intrapersonal and interpersonal matters but to also excel in them IQ is not enough, one needs a specific form of intelligence, emotional and social intelligence. Now, in broader sense, emotional and social intelligence is the science of living. In slightly focused terms, emotional and social intelligence is the skill of managing self and connecting with others. And if I were to define it discreetly, then on the basis of all the research and the work I have done in the domain for close to two decades, I define it as the ability to adapt to one's behavior on the basis of awareness of one's own emotions and attunement with others emotions thus according to our unique and proprietary model at social agents uh, well social agents is the name of uh, the company i'm founder of and it offers specialized online course to develop emotional and social intelligence so according to our unique and proprietary model at social agents emotional and social intelligence is essentially a combination of three components who these three components are awareness attunement and adaptability Now, let me explain these three A's, awareness, attunement, and adaptability. Awareness is about understanding what you're feeling inside yourself and what is working behind it. Attunement is about observing what is going on inside others or between them and interpreting those observations to understand their emotions and mindset. And adaptability is about utilizing the awareness and attunement to come up with a response which is most appropriate according to circumstances. So emotional and social intelligence is not just some talent you're born with. It is a skill that can be learned, practiced, and mastered. So you see, see, Bufresh, that these three A's are not amounting to a formula or a technique. These three A's are not offering you a set of, you know, uh, you know, say, tools or tricks. These three A's are offering you a set of new eyes towards your emotional selves and social interactions. So emotional and social intelligence is not just making you street smart, but is making you adopt a new paradigm of how to respond to intrapersonal and interpersonal situations in life and Mm -hmm. work. Now, Hufresh, let me uh, take the second part of your question about its importance in corporate world. uh, Hufresh, emotional and social intelligence is an applicable skill and has proven tangible benefits. It achieves these benefits by fostering the development of competencies that have a direct connection to deliverables in profession, you know, deliverables. So, for instance, when average performing group of managers at one of uh, Siemens' global division were trained on ESI competencies, okay. they added yeah. an additional dollar $1.5 in profit, double that of a comparison group which had no training. Or for that matter, for next generation leadership development, Johnson & Johnson looked at its 358 mid-career uh, executives across the globe. The group reflected a global spread with 45% women in it. They identified about a half of this group as high potentials, and the best part, fresh is that when all of these 358 were evaluated on various competencies, the high potentials were found to exhibit all 20 of the emotional and social intelligence competencies, while the executives in the comparison group possessed only a few of them. So you see, oh, okay. uh, you know, there, there are a lot of deliverables that get served. I I would like to quote one more, you know, research here because, you know, you were talking about research. Uh, Researchers, Goldman, Mm -hmm. Boyatzis, and uh, Mechie, they're wonderful authors as well. They analyzed years of data from close to 500 competence models from group companies, including the likes of uh, IBM, Lucent, uh, PepsiCo, British Airways, and academic institutions and government agencies to determine Mm -hmm. which capabilities drove outstanding performance in these organizations. They grouped capabilities into three categories. One, technical, second, cognitive, and third, ESI. After analyzing all the data, they found that ESI-based competencies played an increasingly important role at higher levels of organizations, where differences in technical skills are of almost negligible importance. Moreover, about 85%, as you said, of the difference of star performers' profiles from average performers was attributable mm. to ESI-related factors. So I think that pretty much answers what you were you know, asking me to.
1: There's this thing, you know, uh, you must already be aware of it, of course. Uh, there are a lot many companies that are contemplating uh, right now to engage ESI at various stages. And there have been studies that showed results like uh, that said, 26% of trainees saw their blood pressure drop 36% reported reduction in stress symptoms and 57% said their productivity improved so that's, a, that's quite a big number I definitely wanted to know what are the different techniques and exercises to build up an emotionally and socially strong team and also cultivate a culture that encourages ESI
0: And let me first address the first half of your question about how to build an emotionally and socially strong team in terms of the prevailing environment of lockdowns and social distancing. More than any other time in the past, people will work from home, connect remotely and collaborate virtually. Now, essentially, all teams are mainly built around two aspects, purpose and people. While a common Mm -hmm. purpose brings people together, their camaraderie is what keeps them together. We often believe that teams are built around roles and responsibilities, but the fact is that repo and relationships play an equally important part. Now, Hufresh, in actual teams, in the real world, uh, the repo and relationships get developed through numerous unplanned yet ever-present possibilities, as there is a benefit of continuous sensory inputs due to the social nature of our working spaces. However, in absence of natural work habitats, Virtual collaborators need to make extra effort to get to know the other person and tell about oneself. This intersection of self and others provides that invisible glue which holds teams together. And this requires just a little more expressiveness, a little more receptiveness, a little more patience and incremental trust. Now people should bring these features in themselves. For instance, in virtual collaboration, there is no privilege of uh, water cooler chats, or warm good mornings, or random highs and hellos, eye contact in the corridor, or exchanging smiles in the elevator. But then virtual collaborators can create their own small little rituals that can help them understand each other's current frame of mind, emotional state, or life situations. Uh, For instance, they could come in the form of open-ended questions like, uh, how has been the day? Or so how's treating life, uh, you know, how's life treating you these days? or say verbalizing observations like uh, you look good today, or you look a bit tired today, or a slam book one word game of uh, one word for how I'm feeling today or how you are feeling today, or say an affectionate Mm -hmm. query, like how are kids doing, or how was your Diwali break? You know, if we can do this all with some situational sensitivity and without coming across as intrusive, we can surely go a long way in cementing our virtual collaboration, however, This all should not be an artificial attempt. It should emerge from genuine interest to connect and care. Now, Hufrish, let me address the latter part of your question on how to cultivate a culture that encourages emotional and social intelligence. And let me continue to talk in terms of virtual collaboration. Hufrish, all organizations are essentially social entities. Similarly, all business and commercial entities and activities exist to serve human needs and desires. They're essentially of the people, by the people, and for the people. And that's true even when technology assumes the all-important intervening role in them. That's why it is crucial that even in virtual collaboration, the intent and focus remains centered at humans. And the same is true for the way the apparatus for collaboration is designed. In other words, all processes, formats, systems, and procedures in the organizations should try to minimize human error without committing the error of becoming dismissive towards human element. So for instance, while we should follow protocols of digital working, it is important to stay accommodating, if not in systems, then at least in behavior towards individual variants from the norms. And isn't that something we do even in our real world, Hoofresh? Don't we give benefit Um, of doubt? Don't we customize or create exceptions? Same thing has to be followed in virtual collaboration because people have their unique values and preferences even when it comes to work. Now, as we discussed, virtual collaboration more by default than by design is devoid of uh, regular interactions and does implicit assimilation of people's personality cues. Due to this, the trust between members normally gets built gradually and incrementally. And just like in real teams, the best way to overcome this challenge, hoofresh, in virtual setting is to build a culture of more open and frequent communication about people's deeply held values, intrinsic aspirations, cultural differences, and natural preferences related to work and working.
1: Well, considering the pace of the discussion that we're having as of now, it it's it's like a, my understanding of VSI is completely as of it's a kind of unitary concept that consist of multiple colliding facets that create a leader through their powers combined. Can we talk a bit more on uh, the different applications of ESI in the generic corporate scenarios? wherein ESI helps us to analyze the situations, the day-to-day matters, and uh, the actions that uh, one should take accordingly
0: uh you know who in the early days of emotional and social intelligence the Harvard business review hailed ESI as one of the most influential business ideas that is groundbreaking and paradigm shattering and there was a good reason for it actually emotional and social intelligence is the all-important base of all major intrapersonal and interpersonal skills and concepts for example It is at the heart of intrapersonal skills and concepts like uh, self-assessment, mindfulness, conscientiousness, self-confidence, willpower, self-motivation, stress management, resilience, uh, optimism, commitment, service orientation, or even self-presentation. Similarly, ESI is at the base of major interpersonal skills and concepts as well, like empathy, uh, trustworthiness, cooperativeness, communication, Uh, managing relationships, uh, counseling, mentoring, exerting influence, even leadership, negotiation skills, conflict resolution, change management, political awareness. So, you know, this makes emotional and social intelligence immensely important in the domains of, uh, you know, almost all domains of management, leadership, uh, administration, sales and marketing, client servicing, negotiations, interviewing, uh, counseling, law enforcement, teaching, consulting, You know, all these domains find application of uh, emotional and social intelligence. And now, when you talk about the corporate scenarios in which ESI is applicable, let me put it this way. Now, Ufresh, uh, the fact is that in profession, you do not deal with stakeholders, you deal with persons. You do not hire a candidate, you hire a person. You do not report to a manager, you report to a person you do not delegate to a junior, you mm-hmm. delegate to a person. I mean, you're not interviewed by a company of you're interviewed by a person. Two computers never sign an agreement, it's always two persons. You do not collaborate with executives, right. you collaborate with persons. And chair doesn't command respect, it is always a person. So you see, all corporate scenarios boil down to intrapersonal and interpersonal dynamics. And emotional and social intelligence is the essential skill of all intrapersonal and interpersonal skills. And does makes all the difference
1: also uh, I've been talking to various people from all the corporate backgrounds and different companies about the importance of ESI when dealing with people within and outside the organizations and what I found was was quite unexpected per se because normally people do not consider it as, what do I say, Uh, people do not consider it as it should be considered. So could you please comment on the perspectives of different people regarding ESI and how its importance will continue in the future too?
0: Very important, interesting question, and specifically for the listeners. um, Well, I believe that all the listeners and followers of uh, this podcast uh, are, as I said, uh, next-gen professionals. So it's important to answer this question. So, you know, fresh uh, ESI features on future work skills lists of all major institutions of repute, be it uh, mm-hmm. World Economic Forum, World Bank, McKinsey, PwC, that is, you know, Price Cooper, then Accenture, yeah, yeah. Deloitte, KPMG, and many respected others. Moreover, mm-hmm. in the list of future work skills 2020 by the Institute for the Future, IFTF, which is an independent nonprofit strategic research group, with more than 40 years of forecasting experience, emotional and social intelligence features on second rank. Their list talks about what it'll take to succeed and stay a success in the workplace of tomorrow. And let me read and uh, particularly read and let me read what IFTF writes in its report about emotional and social intelligence. It says, quote, it has always been a key skill for workers who need to collaborate and build relationships of trust. But it is even more important as we are now called on to collaborate with larger groups of people in different settings our emotionality and social iq developed over millennia of living in groups will continue to be one of the vital assets that give human workers a comparative advantage over machines unquote so you see we can see that emotional and social intelligence is and will continue to be important for the success at workplace.
1: Mm-hmm. That's absolutely correct and actually it's on the stage where we can get into an infinite loop of discussion that makes me do an, another podcast with you very soon. Well for now let's just end it here at this very note, Dr. Atri, I mean um, it's very obvious that people can listen to you on In. But if people want to connect with you in other ways, what's going to be the best way to do that?
0: (laughs) Uh, To know more about my work, uh, you can visit our website www.socialigence.net S-O-C-I-A-L-I-G-E-N-C dot net .net, and check out and take up my specialized online course on emotional and social intelligence. It is self-paced, video-based and scientific yet interesting. And to watch my videos, um, you can also subscribe to my YouTube channel that is Dr. Sandeep Atre Social agents. And if you want to get in touch with me personally, you can connect with me through LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, where I'm either by name of uh, Sandeep Atre or Dr. Sandeep Patre.
1: Dr. Atri, thanks a lot for clearing up your schedule and being here with us and educating us on such an interesting topic.
0: Thanks. Thank you so much, Ofresh. It was absolute pleasure being here. And as I said, uh, you gave me this opportunity, this uh, precious opportunity to connect to, as I said, time and again, next-gen professionals. So thank you so much, Fresh. It was a pleasure talking to you.
1: Subscribe now in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.